0: Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. It is Show and Tell. In 1 John 3, verse 19, we read, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I read a news item recently where a young lady stole thousands of dollars from someone in her family who trusted her with their money. I know of some folks who cheated on their spouses, like, right after the wedding. I know of children who constantly lie to their parents in order to always have things their way. And I could continue along this line of calling out people who have been less than truthful in their relationship with others, others who they are close to, others who love them. There seems to be the willingness to deceive and be dishonest to the person you love or claim to love, and it seems as if mainstream society has grown to accept this as okay. Let us examine this simple that packs so much punch. This is a great day when love is celebrated in many places, but we can take the time to renew some guidelines in our minds to maximize the worth and joys of a love-based relationship. Have you ever heard a guest say that they're anxiously looking forward to attending a wedding ceremony because the thing they want to experience most is to hear the vows that th- the two people will exchange? That would hardly be a yes. The vows form a standing order of a wedding ceremony, but some people soon forget what they said or what was said to each other. Here is one of the most commonly used vows. It comes in two parts. Firstly, the officiant will recite this question to the groom and then to the bride and waits for an answer. It says, I, so-and-so, will you take so and so to be your wife. Will you love her, comfort her, honor and protect her, and forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as you both shall live? The groom will likely say, I do. Then there is part two, the more significant of the two vows. In this vow, the officiant will lead the groom first and then the bride in reciting this statement in the first person. I Clyde, take you, Pat, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part, according to God's holy law, in the presence of God, I make this vow. These vows are meant to be binding. You have just made a covenant between both of you. The couple getting married ought to understand that these vows represent what the Bible teaches about marriage. The first statement of marriage is found in Genesis 2.24, which says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Every word in that statement made by God is intentional. This statement is directed at the husband. When you get married, you are making a declaration that you're walking away from your primary family of origin, the parents who raised you, and by uniting with this woman, you are stating clearly that you are joining with her physically, emotionally, the whole person, and that this union will be consummated physically after the ceremony. And in that moment, the completion of the joining is 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 done. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read that through the first act of sex between the bride and the groom, the marriage is consummated. They have now been joined permanently as one unit. Therefore, you understand what Jesus was saying in Matthew 19 and verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is making a strong statement here. When you get married, you are being joined together. The ceremony is the legal joining together, and this legal occurrence is a statement that represents the biblical principle. When the couple consummates the marriage later, God joins them together. God recognizes them as becoming one flesh. It makes sense, therefore, that God who has taken this man and this woman and caused them to become one legally and physically He does not permit, does not allow, does not give any person the right to undo what he has done. Neither the husband or the wife has the right to engage in any other relationship emotionally and physically because in doing so you have become an unauthorized agent in undoing something that God has done. But Too often someone in this relationship starts to have an affair and tries his best or her best to keep it hidden. You might successfully keep it quiet that no one knows, but God knows. And God is displeased with the outcome that this union has now been torn apart. This thing we call infidelity now makes a mockery of the vows that both persons took. One Maybe both persons in this marriage choose to be unfaithful and you have disobeyed the text, which says that we must not say fancy vows in our wedding ceremony that represents love, but we must live out those vows with actions, with truth. When you pledge to love by making a statement, whether audibly or written, that love must be substantiated in actions for the rest of your life. There is no place in marriage for anything else. It means, therefore, that you maintain your vows by the way you treat your spouse all the time. You continue to be kind and be do- devoted to care for your spouse in good times and bad times, to seek to make your spouse happy by staying true to your vows. The text says that we are not about the elaborate or simple wedding ceremony, but we are committed to show love to our spouses, not once a year, not occasionally, but all times. I have a responsibility to say I love you to my wife for all the times that we are alive, not just words, but Actions. That is love. That is true love. That is the only love that God expects of us, his children. By the way, if you've broken your wedding vows, confess to God your indiscretion and turn away from the betrayal of your wedding vows and don't ever do it again. True love is show and tell the agreement of words and actions.